Hey, everybody. It's Karen Stefano, author of The Secret Games of Words. And with me this evening is Aaron Parker, author of The Secret and the Sacred. How are you, Aaron? I'm great, Karen. How are you? I'm terrific. We're having we're having a, a webcast with only with books with the word "secret" in the title. So I think that's <laughs> I know I, I, I think that's that too. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Perfect. So um, all all book titles should have the word "secret" in them. I definitely Absolutely. am a big believer in that. So. Uh, So everyone who's listening, um, Erin launched this terrific collection just a couple of months ago, and um, I was fortunate enough to be there and and celebrate this great collection with her, and um, tonight... I have to to tell you, uh, Karen, before we go any further, you drove for two hours to read at my book launch. And then you apologized to me for having to leave early. And actually, it wasn't even early. It was just as it ended because you had to drive two more hours to go home because you had a 7 a.m. flight. And I was so (laughs) moved that you had even showed I couldn't believe you were even there. I don't even know if I would have done that if I I were you, to be honest. And I'm so grateful to you for being there at the launch. It was wonderful. Oh. It was so, it was so my, it was so my pleasure. It was so my pleasure. And I just, I just regretted not being able to linger around afterwards and, and, and get to talk to, um, uh, all the, all the terrific people who, who came out to celebrate you. Yeah, it was a wonderful night. It was amazing. Yeah, (laughs) it was, it was was beautiful. And, and Gatsby Books, what a, what a great, what a great independent bookstore. Um, you, you chose, you chose the right place. Yeah. Um, so anyone who hasn't um, read this collection yet, um, now's your chance to get it. It just came out uh, from Unknown Press, and it's loaded with terrific stories. But uh, one of my favorites in the collection is a piece called Dance Home. And that story is what I'm going to focus on with Aaron tonight. And Aaron, if you would, if you could get us started um, by just, uh, you know, reading just, just a couple of minutes worth of uh, an excerpt of the story, start wherever you think it's appropriate. Sure. Okay. Um, this is an excerpt from probably the first quarter of the story. So now that I am at the police station to make the composite sketch of the man who attacked me, I admit I am glad to have been handed off to Detective Joanne. How are you, she says seriously. Fine, I say. It's okay if you're not, she says. I hear fierceness under her words of studied casualness. Okay, I say after a minute. I can only think of one-word responses. My daughter was raped a couple of years ago, she tells me. Just remember, you have nothing to be ashamed of. Unable to speak, I can only nod. There is this flicker of fear that licks the base of my skull and travels to my heart. It's so heavy. So nobody is safe. Not even a detective's daughter. And not me, certainly not me, especially not me. Let's get this over with. She flips open a book filled with strips of clear plastic. Each strip has a different facial feature. 
there is a stack of eyebrows, a stack of noses, a stack of haircuts, a stack of eyes. The eyes are the worst. We painstakingly go through each strip and build layers to create a face. We create his face. And after a long time, and in no time at all, there is his face. The eyes, the eyes, the eyes are right. They aren't right because they aren't laughing. His shirt was blue. His shirt said Maui in yellow leather. His hair was blonde. He was strong. Don't break my knees. Don't break my teeth. Don't break me. Don't, don't. That's what I thought as he pushed me in the back of my head down to the linoleum floor. Don't scream or I'll kill you, he said. Do whatever you have to do to stay alive, I told myself. Please, God, don't let me be the body they find in a dumpster. Detective Joanne stands up quickly when his face appears on her layered plastic strips. Are you sure, she asks. Is this him? Yeah, I say, that's pretty close. She excuses herself and leaves the room. I am left all alone with his face on the desk. I don't feel anything. Karen. Sorry? Karen. Yeah. (laughs) That's just, that's um, amazing. Um, uh, An incredible excerpt from a really, really moving. uh, beautiful piece. Um, so, thank you. I, let, let, let me start by asking your narrator is the victim of a rape, but I don't view this as a story about rape or about being a victim. And I say the word victim in quotes. Um, I view it as a story about that journey that we call healing. And so I'm going to ask you the question I ask every single person who's ever been on this webcast. It's my favorite question to ask writers. As the creator of this piece, what is this story about to you? Um, It's, it's not about rape, but it's not about being a victim, so you're right. And I'm glad that that came across. The story for me really starts in the second half of the story, which is about the healing um, the healing process and transforming yourself to kind of leave this trauma behind and not to... Um, not to live in the moment of trauma. Everybody has trauma, and it's all relative, and everybody has this, and and it's up to us, hopefully, to be able to move forward, you know, and that's kind of what the story is about. The second half of the story is kind of how this character does that. Yeah, and and it's just just beautifully, beautifully done. Um, And um, in... Part of the healing process that your narrator um, experiences is um, going um, uh, to, to dance this group of group of um, dancers, and 
the narrator of this piece, she watches a man among the group dancing, and he is still, still as a tree, she says. And she views him, in her words, with suspicion and envy, because she doesn't know how to be still. Um, That's something that I can definitely relate to, and I believe that learning to be still is an art form, and it's um, unfortunately one I haven't yet mastered. Um, But but I want to ask you, Erin, are you able to be still? Still, are are you able to quiet your mind? And and if you are, how do you do that? <laughs> it's funny you're asking me this. Um, <clears throat> I I I've gotten much better at it in the past several years, but up until that point, I couldn't, and it was it's almost been a, a, a terrifying thing for me to do it. Like I I've had no desire to do it actually. Mm-hmm. Um, it's scary. I didn't. I didn't want to be alone with myself. Yeah. Um, and so I resisted it. And um, it's something that I've, um, you know, I've gotten better at. I'm not great at it. It's something I've gotten better at. <laughs> yeah. That. Yeah. Yeah. I hear. I hear you. I mean, I feel like I. I feel like I wasn't good at it at all I wasn't even aware that you could quiet your own mind that stillness um was was healing and then I think I I think I got good at it just because I think I was just more focused and engaging in in what I call generically spiritual practice and then it's Mm -hmm. just so easy it's just so easy to get caught up in your days, you know, you go to work, you commute to work, you try to squeeze in some writing time, you do a webcast, you do, you know, you you have a social life, right. and, uh, and then it's just so easy to list. not, yeah, and it's just so easy to overlook that stuff, and and I've kind of gotten to the point again where there's just my mind all day long, it's just chatter, 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 and um, so. I don't know. It's something. It's something I want to get back to. So that's why I wanted to. I, I, I would wanted love to. to I, yeah, I would love to be better at it. But I, I've, I've gotten better. But I'd, I'd love to be able to do it. Um, it's, it's, uh, it's been a thing. I've my first reaction when I hear that is like, ugh, yuck! I don't want to do that. <laughs> I, I don't. I even. I'm even afraid to look too closely at why I don't want to do that. So, I understand what you're saying. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So I think the suspicion um, and envy. I think that's exactly how I feel about it. Suspicious. I'm I'm suspicious and I'm envious at the same time. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. I think I'm. I'm not. I don't know if I'm if suspicious is the way I I feel about it. Envious for sure. Definitely envious. Mm. Yeah. But then on the the other hand, it's my own fault. I mean, you know, you have to, to have a still and quiet and peaceful mind. I think it takes a little bit of work, just like everything else in life. So yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, I wanted to um, tell you. I mean, I I'm interested in talking to you about dance home and um, and your piece swoon that's in your book. They're similar, but they're so vastly different mm-hmm. at the same time. Yeah. Right. Yours is about an attack 
but your piece is so in the moment, and it's it was um I actually first came across your piece. I read it in um, Lost in Thought, Volume Six. Yeah. And yeah, my story, one of my magazine. stories, was in that. Isn't it beautiful? I I love that. And I one of, I the, love one of my that. stories was in there. And then I saw your piece in there. And I this is long before I knew knew you know I I didn't know your name or anything. And I I read Swoon and I was like, oh my god, how did she do that? And I actually had to close the magazine and put it down after I read Swoon. Um, it was so terrifying and this the way that you took that moment of trauma and you just framed it and you just left it there in this frame and it just lives there it just lives there and that was exactly opposite of what I wanted to do with dance home I wanted to not talk about the moment not be in the moment not live in the moment not own the moment and what happened later and how did you heal and how did you fix it you know completely different but I am in, in such awe of your um you are your bravery for writing that piece really oh, great well, writing thank you thank you so so much and um yeah it was a you know it was a, it was a difficult piece to write and yet it wasn't all at the same time and mm. um I did, and I did try to hold um, in that awkward, awkward moment of this assault, and um, and and I did, um, uh, I, you know, assaults uh, of women are horrifically common in our society, and. Um, and they appear in stories with some frequency. And I just wanted to share the story of the assault of a woman in an absolutely different way. And it just it just came out with with intimacy and which is but that's the, that's the word i mean that's the word that that i got stuck on because you know you think of intimacy as such a beautiful thing such a wonderful thing a good thing and it was so risky of you to take that um and present a violent attack um in in the language of intimacy and there's something about it that's just so incredibly emotionally risky and scary and brave. And you did it. You did it. <laughs> well, you, you think, thank you so much. I mean, that, that, that means, that means so much to me to hear, to hear you say that. Um, um, I'm, I'm, I'm so grateful that you, that you loved it. And I know. And it's, it's funny because um, uh, I read uh, your piece in, in, in that issue of Lost in Thought too, and um, yeah, that was before I knew you. That you know that right. I that I figured out that we had all of these um, wonderful mutual um, friends and acquaintances, and so it's just, right, right. It's, you know, it's just another example of like this our beautiful, wonderful, crazy um, 
community uh, of, of writers. So That's incredible. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, so I, I want to go back to your piece for a minute and um, ask you ask you another thing. Um, contact improv. Um, tell our uh, listeners about how this concept appears in your piece, Dance Home. So contact improv is um, it's a, a form of dance. You don't have to be um, a, quote, dancer, unquote, to do it. And um, this place, um, there, there's different places, like contract, contact improv jams or dance jams, things like that, places that you can go. And um, basically, you know, you you see all kinds of people there, all shapes and sizes, just ages, different, different people. Um, it's really hard to explain it. I would... Um, you're dancing. You can you can dance with the group of people or one or two people at a time, and it's kind of just freeform dance. But contact improv, meaning contact, you should be touching each other, you know, leaning on each other or uh, touching each other somehow, you know, getting on the floor, using the other person's body to get up, you know, somebody lifting the other person. It's all about um, touch and um, trust and um, and it can be slow really really slow it can be really fast it's just really freestyle dance and it's really scary to do because you're afraid you're gonna look like an idiot for one but then when you can get past that and you just realize everyone's just having a great time and kind of jamming then it's um it's really a blast I mean and you've got to look at the other person to to see what they're going to do next or to see, you know, you're kind of communicating with your eyes and you're not necessarily talking. You might never talk to these people. And so one of the things, um, you know, obviously Dance Home is a true story. This, that's a true story. So what one of the things that I found that really helped me was that I found this um, studio, this dance studio in Santa Monica called the Dance Home. And it's a real place. It's in Santa Monica, and it's still um, it's still in operation now. And they did they used to do like weekly contact improv nights, and um, and I used to go every week, and I would just go dance with total strangers, and we would not talk, and there would just be music and dance, and it was just the most wonderful thing. And I think the events of, the, of my story, Dance Home, probably is like a five-year period that I just condensed, you know, into a story. But it's probably over several years I went there, and it was the most incredible healing thing for me because I could – I learned how to get back in my body. You know, I learned that it was okay. I, I was okay in my body doing whatever I was doing, if that makes any kind of sense. Yeah, it um, does. Um, but wow, um, holy cats! Um, you know, thank you for for sharing that. Um, very, very, very brave of you. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's you know, I guess I guess it doesn't surprise me to to hear that in a way, just because it's so um, you know, dance. The place dance home is described 
so viscerally, um, so with so much attention to the to the senses. And yeah, the, the 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 part of contact improv that fascinated me is the part of of eye contact. And right, eye contact right. is so you know going back to the intimacy thing, it's an intensely intimate thing, right? And yeah, yeah. um, and it's it, it's so funny how we use it or avoid it in our in our daily lives. And I, I just kind of wanted to ask you the the further personal question of when when do you seek out eye contact and when do you when do you avoid it? Oh, that is so interesting. Do you mean like in daily life? Yeah, in daily life, and you know, yeah. Um, I used to have a really horrible time with eye contact. Um, and when I, after the incident in the dance home happened, I um, was hired at Disneyland. I was hired at the happiest place on earth. That's <laughs> great. And, um, and there's a couple stories in my book about working there. Um, and I realized after I got hired there that I couldn't look people in the eye and it became really difficult to do my job um, because I couldn't look people in the eye, and yet I was trying to tell them where to go, where to wait, where to you know stand or whatever. And um, and I realized that summer that that I had to get over I had this problem, this fear I had of looking at people, and I made myself get over it that summer. So I have I worked really hard at it, and now I don't have any trouble with it, you you know, all these yeah. years later. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, I used to have a lot of problems with it, and it, it, I guess it's working in customer service jobs for many years, you know, I, I, I had to get over it. It doesn't work. Yeah. You can't yeah. do it. Yeah. It's, it's interesting, <laughs> you know, I, cause like, I, um, uh, you know, I kind of, uh, you know, we all, not consciously, I don't think, but I think we all, you know, every human being uses it or avoids it as, I don't know, like maybe I'm overstating it, but as kind of a, a form of manipulation, as a form of controlling an interaction. Because um, oh, I can, yeah. I can, I have no problem having, holding eye contact with people. Um, but I think my issue more is, is avoiding it. And, and it's a way of like managing information and dismissing I guess people um, and information because you know, it's like you can you can only have you can only connect with effectively with so many people, right? Right. I do remember uh, I remember avoiding eye contact um, <clears throat> when I would be out by myself um, around the time of the story when that happened. I remember going to the grocery store and um, I made eye contact with this guy, I like accidentally, you know, and he followed me to mm -hmm. my car. Yeah. And it was dangerous. Yeah. It, be, it was yeah. a dangerous yeah. thing. And, yeah. um, and it really freaked me out. And I, um, 
was like never going to look at anyone again, you know. So, I mean, yeah, it is something I, I, have, I have struggled with. But I yeah. <laughs> don't think about it anymore. Yeah. I don't think about any of yeah. that stuff anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I think that's, you know, that's, those are the words of a, of a healed whole person. But yeah, it's interesting yeah. how, you know, the concept of, of, of eye contact is a different, it's a different, uh, dynamic for, for, for women. Um, so, um, so how, you know, you shared with us about dance home, but how, did you embark on your journey of healing? Um, I think it just happened. Um, well, I think that there were several really important things that happened. And I, one of them was that, um, one of them was dance. One of them was dance. With dance, you have to be in your body to move your body. You have to learn, and I'd always seen dance as storytelling, storytelling with your body, and, that, and dance as a language. So I'd always seen dance as a language, and it forced me to be back in my body. So I was taking a lot of dance classes at the time. A few years, um, a few years after it happened, I was able to choreograph, and I choreographed a, a piece about the attack, and it was very, very healing for me to do that. And then it was performed on stage and I had, you know, had to think about it quite a bit. I had to be in my body doing it, teaching the dancer, the dancers. So that was really, really important. Dance was really important. The other thing that was really important was, I know it sounds silly, but it was working at Disneyland. <laughs> um, I had the, um, I had the job interview lined up already and then the attack happened the day before my interview. And I waited for my whole life to get that job interview. And I got it finally. And then the attack happened. And I was like, well, I can't go to the interview tomorrow because look what happened. I mean, you know, my life is over, you know. And I woke up in the morning and the next morning and I thought, oh, my, what am I going to do? I mean, I don't know what to do. And I started to get really angry really, really angry, and I thought, I am not going to walk away from this. I'm going to go to that job interview. And I think that was the most important decision that I've ever made in my entire life was getting out of bed that morning, yeah. getting dressed, getting in my car, and driving to my job interview at Disneyland and putting on my, you know, putting on the show, you know, for the job interview, and, um, and I got hired. And that allowed me to have to come out, to have to look people in the eye, to have to talk to strangers, to have to, um, you know, have some kind of control and authority as you're trying to talk to crowds of people. Um, and it put me in a very safe environment for 40 hours a week. It put me in literally in fantasy land, literally wow. in fantasy land, the happiest place on earth. And I know that sounds so crazy, but that's what happened. And I ended up working there for... Um, a little over four years. For wow. I have five just, summers, five summers, and and during the year, um, four years and five summers. So, yeah, um, it was a big deal. And so that environment, and then of course the people I worked with were incredible. 
And that combined with my love of the arts, um, with dance and art and writing and whatever, whatever it was, didn't matter, with any kind of doing, any kind of storytelling, um, whether it was visual or written or dance or whatever, those things, um, that's what did it. And I, I didn't set out, there was no plan, you know. There was no plan that I had to do these things. But in looking back, that, that's what it was. It was just work. Work. Yes. Yeah, and I I mean, I agree with you. I mean, I think um, you you saved your own life in a way by making the decision, the difficult, difficult decision to go to that interview, to keep living your life. Yeah. Because you know what? uh, Nobody in the world would have ever blamed me if I hadn't gone to that job interview. Right. Nobody right. would have ever said, you should, oh, you should have gone to that job interview to become a ride operator. You know what I mean? <laughs> no, everyone probably would have said, oh, no, you shouldn't do that. That's crazy. You should take a break. Well, I did, I did it. And I really honest, I, I look back and I really think that was the most important decision I've ever made. I really yeah, do. I, yeah, I, you know, I have to agree with you. Wow, that's just that's an amazing, amazing story, and I'm so honored that you are willing to share of yourself so deeply. And um, I, you know, I admired you before this webcast, but I just admire you so much more now. Um, oh, you thank you are, so much. <laughs> you're so incredibly brave, and I think that women talking about this. Um, you know, this unfortunate reality of mm-hmm. assault. It's um, crazy it's because uh, nobody, yeah. you know, it's so, unfortunately, so common. And um, and nobody, um, there's so much shame. And it's ridiculous. I didn't do anything wrong. They didn't do anything yeah. wrong. We did not do anything wrong. And yeah. I'm, you know... I I just I'm not going to let you know I decided that, that way back then I'm not going to let that dictate my life my life path who I am how I see myself you know what my place in the world is it's just it's got nothing to do with me it's got nothing to do yeah. with me yeah and you know and and talking about that and sharing your voice I think is you know it's not only brave and it's not only not only beneficial for you and your worldview, um, but I think it just by definition helps all the other women out there who have been through something like this. Um, I hope uh, so. I I, I really, I I know, to feel left alone. Yeah. 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 Um, uh, Wow. So, um, uh, the, the other thing is that I've, I've realized, and, and getting the book put out too, getting these stories out there, I realized that I have very little fear of, I have very little fear left. If somebody's going to make a judgment against me, I don't really care, <laughs> you know, I don't care. So I'm, I, I love just having, just, I've had very good response. I, I should say that. Say it like that. There's just not a lot of fear left. Did you feel like that when you published yours, when your book came out? Um, 
you know, it's a different, it's a different kind of fear. Um, I wasn't fearful about the writing. I wasn't fearful about exposing too much of myself. Um, but, uh, you know, like, you know, I go through phases, I think, in my life of feeling uh, fearless and feeling overwhelmed with fear. And putting out the book, um, it, I think that the, the fear came with the whole marketing side of it. And and thinking, okay, well, what if no one, what if no one reads it? What if no one pays attention? And um, you know, what if no one cares? And um, and I like to think of myself as a person who who doesn't care what other people think of her. But you know, if you if you dig deep down, you know that's that's kind of bullshit in a lot of ways because yeah, I mean, yeah. I do I, care. I, yeah. I want I want yeah. as as a writer and as someone, uh, you know, who who wants people to read her work. I mean, I I, I do care. I do care what people think. Right. So. Uh, I guess it's I kind guess of, I, kind of weird. I think, yeah, saying that um saying I didn't care. I, I what I meant was that I could tell these stories to the world or to whoever read them really and um to be more accurate. And um and or these stories were out there in the world and like nothing happened, like nothing bad happened. That's what I guess that's what I meant. The world didn't end. Nobody stopped speaking to me. Um yeah. that was huge. That's been huge, actually. Like, you know what? Like, it was fine. Like, nothing changed, except that I felt really, um, I felt lighter, I guess. Yeah. And that's been so wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, writing about stuff like this, I think, is incredibly difficult, but it's incredibly uh, cathartic, too. Yeah, Um, absolutely. So... And so, Erin, I'll just warn you. I, I think I probably warned you, like I warn everybody um, who does these webcasts with me, that the time just absolutely flies. And so we just no. have time. <laughs> we just have time. Um, uh, uh, I mean, I'll ask you one more question, and then if you want, you can ask me one more question, and then we'll just yeah. we'll have to we'll we'll wrap up. But um, okay. tell me what what's What's next for you? Are you working on anything else now, or are you just sort of? I know you just launched, so you're probably kind of in full, you know, trying to promote uh, the book, which which takes time because yeah. you have a day job too. Um, but mm-hmm. what what do you what are you up to now? What's next for you? Um, yeah, I'm I'm working on the marketing side of this, and I'm trying to learn as fast as I can about how to get this book out out there. And I'm learning a lot, and um, but my next thing is that I want to continue. There, there are three stories in the book that deal with um, my father and my relationship with my father. That as a as a kid, and he was kind of a, you know, he was kind of a hippie psychologist guy in the 70s, you know. And he, you know, I was, I was, I was the you know, only child of divorced parents. And I mean, my dad, he, um, super charming and funny and smart and terrible, terrible parents, <laughs> terrible parents. I have a lot of material there. I'd really like to explore more stories 
Um, there are three already in the book, Bicentennial Summer, In the Shade, and Visitation Weekend. Um, there's a lot more there that I, so I'm kind of working on that, working through that right now. More, more um, flash fiction. With yeah, it sounds like a total, you've got like a wealth of material right there. I mean, <laughs> you, you'll never, really you're do. never going to run out of material. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Awesome. Um, yeah, I wanted just one more question for you. Um, I guess, I guess I want to know, like, your interview with, um, your conversation with Antonia Crane. You yeah. guys talked about everyone has their scene of the crime that their stories refer back. All, there's always this theme, this theme that goes on, and you talked about the scenes of the crime, and and you talked about your scenes of the crime being a dying father, a fractured marriage, betrayal, fear, and loss, things like that. And I'm wondering, as you're working on your new material right now, are you finding that these still come up, or have any of them dropped off? Have you worked through some of them, or are new ones popping up? Uh, well, anyone who's who's read my my collection knows that there are heavy themes of aging, sickness, death, um, conflict in romantic relationships, and specifically, as you say, the betrayal and heartbreak and loss. Um, uh, there's the theme of losing a loved one to the abyss of addiction, um, a lot of mother-daughter conflict, and basically just characters who are going through the worst time of their lives, and then the story is seeing how they have to figure out how to handle it. And um, so I, I think that some of those themes are always going to be in, in my writing. Right. Um, right. Uh, I mean, they're, bit, you know, they're, they're so huge. Um, yeah, uh, you can't really get past them ever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, so. I, yeah. So I think they're still going to be in 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 my work both you know the 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 memoir um and the the novel that I'm working on I think um certainly the the novel is a um three generation mother daughter conflict story um oh but I think gosh. yeah so we'll see we'll see when that's finished I'll probably be 80 um <laughs> by, the I did, by the time I get that one done um cause it's historical. yeah so it's it's difficult, but, um, but, you know, I just, I, I, I certainly there, it'll appear on the page differently in very, very different factual and sensory scenarios, but, yeah. um, and I don't know, I think, I, I think a, a lot of those, those themes will still be in, in the work that I'm working on now, but hopefully a little bit more of, um, courage and redemption and um getting unstuck and um you know a, a little bit more of the the finding your way through and healing and transformation um and i think because those are our themes i'm trying to develop 
or in, in my work in progress. I think maybe that's why I was just so, so drawn uh, to to dance home because um, I, I think you just do just a beautiful job of um, taking the reader on uh, a, just a stunning journey of of healing. So, um, so and so much. with that with with that, Aaron, um, uh, I am going to tell you that we're we're out of time here. I am so grateful. Um, that you agreed to do this webcast with me, and uh, you're just a beautiful writer and and person, and um, your your bravery is just is just really really stunning. So um, thank you so so much, and everybody who's listening, um, uh, it's, it's you can get it on Amazon, right, Erin? The Secret and the Sacred yeah, is available on Amazon. Okay. Yeah. The uh-huh. Secret and the Sacred, everybody. Aaron Parker um, from Unknown Press. So thank thanks, you. Aaron.